some scripture for us this morning. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. So Jesus spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. Well, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. The amazement in some and the uncertainty of others as a result of what Jesus did in the healing of the man born blind. Now, this man used to be recognised by him sitting and begging. But now because of Jesus, he was now someone who was radically different than the way he was before. Someone who even the people who knew him didn't recognise him because such of the change that has occurred in this man's life. Imagine something like that happening today. Someone transformed from what they used to be to someone who God wanted them to be. Let's just pray just a, a, a few more moments. Lord God, I just want to pray that you prepare our hearts for what you're going to speak to us today, Lord God. Lord, let our hearts be open. Let us be prepared to, be, to welcome you into our, our lives, Holy Spirit. Who knows what you have in store for us today? But let us be open to receive that. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in each of us, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series, a two-week series that's called Used to Be. Now, in many churches, February is the start of the ministry year, and in many of those churches, they will return to God's vision for their respective churches. And so our new series that we're starting today, and the next one that we'll be doing as well, is all about vision. Because, and these two series that we're going to be doing are related to each other and they're all related to vision. Now, the reason why we've chosen this, this image is because it conveys some very important truths. The first of which is that if you're still breathing, you are to still move forward. If you're still breathing, you are to still move forward. Now, for some of us, that's getting harder and harder all the time. If anything, like getting out of bed every morning is anything to go by. It's getting harder simply to get out of bed. So moving forward may be harder than what it was for us sometime in the past. But this road, picture of this road, shows us, it gives us the impression or is to convey to us something about moving forward, moving ahead, regardless of the condition of our cars. We are to move ahead. And the windscreen that we look out of is to tell us and show us what is ahead. You are the person in the driver's seat. You're looking forward to what's ahead on the road. But yet you still have a smaller side view mirror there or rear view mirror to see what's behind you. Those mirrors are to show you where you used to be. Now, there's a reason why in a car the windscreen is so big and the rear vision mirror or the side vision, the side mirror is so small. It's so that we can see where we're moving forward towards. 
lives. But so many people live lives in the completely opposite way. It is their rear view mirror. It is their side mirror, which seems to be so big, but yet their windscreen seems to be so small because they focus so much of their time on what is before rather than looking forward. What is forward it seems to be so small, but what is behind, what used to be, is so big, they're preoccupied with the past. Now, you may think with a sermon title, a series title called Used to Be, we might think that we are simply spending all of our time looking behind us, but that's not the case. But like it is in a car, we are looking forward to what tomorrow may bring, considering who we were behind us, who we used to be. We are focusing on your future but equally recognising we still have to look at our past. Now, in speaking about vision, you may remember what our church's vision actually is. And I won't draw attention to what is over here to my left, but I'm sure that all of us can recite now what the vision, what God's vision for our future is. Can you say it with me? Remember, our vision is to see Northwest Sydney be engaged and transformed with the faith, hope and love of Jesus. So what part of this vision actually relates to the notion of used to be? That's a transformed part, isn't it? It's a transformed part. So here's the question. What's the purpose of being transformed? In the story of Jesus healing the man born blind, what is the purpose of this miracle? Now, we may immediately think that the purpose of that miracle was simply to help the person who was blind. Now, if that is our only perspective on that story, then we're missing the biggest part. Now, soon after this miracle actually occurred, the Pharisees um, conducted their own investigation, more of an inquisition, really, about what actually happened. And so they called the man back in who had been healed and interrogated them about what, him about what actually went on. And this is part of the man's response to that interrogation. The healed man answered, he said, I have already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? We know that God does not listen to sinners and he listens to the, to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not for God, he could do nothing. Now, Notice here that this healed man actually gets it. His testimony about the changes that have happened to him is to confirm that Jesus is not only from God, but in fact is God. And the impact of that is so that people may become his disciples as this healed man is now also himself. How many of us would be honest enough to admit that we don't like mirrors? Particularly bathroom mirrors. I have to say that nine times out of ten, when I go in and look in the bathroom mirror, I just look straight into my eyes. I try to avoid looking down. I try to avoid looking up. I try to avoid trying to focus in on stuff. 
I just look straight into my eyes. By remote control, I know exactly where the, where the deodorant is and the hair product is, so I don't have to break gaze. I can just look straight into my eyes. Because the reality is, I don't want to look at what this has become compared to the way I used to be. Now, I'm going to be talking a whole lot more about that aspect for all of us next week. But the reality is that even though I try to not look at the physical me, I try to look straight into my eyes. And the funny thing is, every time I look into my eyes, I can't help but see and think about the person who I used to be. Because I'm so different to the way I used to be, who I was. I've changed. I mean, my character is different. My faith, my love, my perspective, my longings, my weaknesses have dramatically changed from the way that I used to be. And whenever I, and I see it whenever I look into the mirror, particularly the bathroom mirror. Now, forgetting the physical change that it may have happened to you, when you look into your eyes in the bathroom or any other mirror for that matter, what do you see? How are you different today compared to the way you used to be? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus today, here's a question for you. How are you different because of Jesus compared to the way that you used to be? Now, my hope is that you're going to be able to easily say how you are different now compared to the way you were because of Jesus in your life. Even if for you it hasn't been a, a night-to-day type of experience like it was for the man born blind. But the change that has happened in you could have happened in no other way other than the work of Jesus in your life. But what is the purpose of the change that you have seen in your life because of the influence of Jesus? What is the purpose for that? Now, you may remember at the end of last year, we did a series called Living in the Light. And the start of that series, we talked about the fact that even from the very beginning of creation, when God said, let there be light, that was an expression of God's purposefulness into this world. And ever since, God, everything that God does is for a purpose. So if God has done something in your life, what's that purpose? For what he's done in your life. What's its purpose? Now, there's one person in the Bible who by his own testimony actually tells us about why God wants to do a transforming work in our lives. And that person is none other than the Apostle Paul. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been so blessed to hear from Graham Rothwell and Bernadette De Silva about part of their story, about what God has done in their lives. But let's just take a look at the Apostle Paul for a few moments. This is what Paul says is part of his story. So reading from the book of Acts, this is what he says to a, an audience who wanted to find out more about his story. He says this, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia. But brought up in the city, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our Jewish ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way. This way is refers to Christians. That was what they were originally known as in the first century. Before they were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. 
And they persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul is not a good guy here. He wants to see the followers of Jesus wiped out. But then something happened. He goes on, About noon as I came near Damascus to arrest all these people, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, to see Jesus and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now this has to be one of the most incredible transformation stories anywhere in scripture. Saul, who would then soon change his name to Paul, had a profound Damascus Road experience. He heard and he saw Jesus and was, as a result was completely transformed from who he used to be. Why? Why? Why was Paul transformed? Well, because Paul himself asked the question, well, what do you want me to do, Lord? And then a little while later, Ananias confirmed, he says, you are to be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Here's something to think about. Whenever transformation happens in somebody, there is something to see. Paul saw something. Paul saw Jesus. But not only that, people now have something to see as a result of the change that has happened in Paul. People are going to be able to notice in his behaviour that he's now different. Paul also heard Jesus. But now because of what's gone on, people now have something to hear about because of what Jesus has done in his life. You see, whenever transformation occurs, there will always be something to see and something to hear. So whenever Paul would then go into the bathroom mirror and looked into his own eyes, I would imagine that he could not help but saying, I, I am so different to the way that I used to be. Look what Jesus has done in my life. So the example of the man born blind and with the example of the Apostle Paul it gives us an insight into why Jesus transforms us. 
You see, we can easily determine who's the most important person in our lives by the way we look at our own transformation. See, if we actually think that we are the most important thing, if the universe does actually revolve around us, then we'll think that whatever Jesus does for us, whatever Jesus does in us, it is for us. First and foremost, it is for our benefit because it's all about me. But rather the perspective we are to have is that God changes us for him. He changes us for him. God changes us for his purposes, not ours. That's why when some of us get transformed, we don't always get transformed in the way that we would like. True? I've been transformed by Jesus, but that doesn't mean that I'm now able to sing like an angel. We don't always get transformed the way that we like because ultimately my transformation, your transformation is for God's purposes, not our own. Now, the purpose of the man, the healing of the man born blind is for people to actually start grasping that Jesus is God because only God could heal a man who was born blind because it's a story of creating eyes that weren't ever there. And for them, the people to be absolutely amazed at what Jesus has done. And the purpose of Paul's transformation is ultimately for him to go to the Jews and the Gentiles in the known world at that time, for them to hear, for him to, him to talk about what he has seen and what he has heard. Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't born blind. And I haven't been called to start a global ministry. How about you? Can you relate in any way to some radical healing that's happened in your life? Or can you relate to the story of, say, of, of, of the, a, a hand writing on the wall, go and start a global ministry? Now, if you haven't had those experiences, then how do we relate to these two stories about transformation? About why we are transformed? Well, let's look at one final story to see if there's something that more that we can, more of us can actually relate to. From Luke chapter 5, this is what it says. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came of carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I would imagine the owner of the house goes, how am I going to pay for this? Wallet wizards. <laughs> When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in the front of them. He took what he had been lying on and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I would imagine so. Now, this story here finishes pretty much the same way as the healing of the man born blind finishes. With the lame man now going home praising God. And people who saw it totally amazed. Now, in both of those stories, the healing of the man born blind and the healing of the lame man, what do you think going home praising God looks like? Do you think it means coming to synagogue on the Sabbath and singing a few songs? Is that what going home praising God looks like? Now, maybe that's what we think, because maybe that's what most of us do. Or do you think this going away praising God meant something incredibly more intentional, something more public, something more expressive, so that others could hear about what God has done in these people's lives? But let's focus on a particular part of this last story. It says from verse 18 of Luke 5, it says, Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, what picture do you get about the guys who carried and then lowered this paralysed man before Jesus? What do we learn about them in this short description here? Well, I would imagine that for them to do such a thing, they must know, they must completely trust that God can help, that Jesus can help this paralysed man. Now, have a think about this for a sec. These men didn't grow up Christian. Jesus had only been around ministering for a short period of time. But yet these men trusted Jesus. These Jewish men who had been entrenched in the Jewish religious system, where it's all about following rules and rules and rules, now completely trust Jesus so much that they're prepared to bring a paralyzed man to Jesus. What would have happened, needed to happen in these men to cause them to think and believe differently from what they had done before? That would cause them now to bring a paralysed man to Jesus. See, what we can never underestimate here, that these men who brought the paralysed man, they have been transformed themselves from their old thinking, from their old belief system into now understanding who Jesus is. They've been radically transformed in some way. Maybe not even physically, but there has been a radical transformation in them that says, I've got to bring this person to Jesus. Now, the person that they lowered down to Jesus, 
That may have been their friend or even a relative, but we don't know that. Now, you can understand these men doing it for a relative or a friend. I mean, what would you do for a family member or for a dear friend who needed Jesus? What extent would you go to to bring that person to Jesus? So we shouldn't be surprised by their action, should we? Particularly if you knew firsthand about what is possible with Jesus in your own life. But what happens if these men didn't know the paralysed man? That they just saw him, had compassion on him. You need to see Jesus. I'm going to take you to Jesus. What does it tell you about what has happened to these men to bring a person they potentially do not know to Jesus? Something so radical has happened in these men that is now causing them to bring relative or friend or even a stranger to Jesus so they can be potentially transformed as they have been transformed. That's incredible to think about. So here's a challenge for us today. As we think about transformation in our own lives, for what Jesus has done and the purpose of it, I wonder if for some of us today... We have a faith that believes, but not a faith that can transform. I mean, we may believe enough to come here to church on Sunday. We may even have a faith that believes enough to serve or to even to give as well. But has your faith developed into one that believes in Jesus' transforming work in a person's life? Do you have faith in the transforming work that God has done in your life? Because ultimately, our actions reflect what we believe. If you believe that Jesus has transformed you in some way, then how is that reflected in your actions? But equally, if you believe that Jesus hasn't transformed you or what he's done in your life is not all that important, all that impressive, then what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do with that? What are your actions going to reflect what you believe about your own transformation? What do the actions of these men say about what they believe what's happened to them? Notice in the last part of the story, it says, from verse 20, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you get that? When he saw their faith, the ones who brought the man to Jesus, when he saw their faith. See, faith is not merely for the person who's in need. Faith is equally for the people who believe that if I bring somebody, Jesus is going to do something in their lives. This is a big concept. And so profound has the change been in these men that they're prepared to bring family or friend or stranger to be impacted by Jesus. Now, if we've been around church for some time, we may no longer identify with the paralyzed man who got lowered down from the roof hanging on by a MacPack jacket. 
We don't identify with the paralysed man anymore because we recognise that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he has forgiven us of our sins. So who are we here to identify with in this story? See, regardless of how long you've been coming along to church, we can always identify with the people who bring somebody else to Jesus to be transformed because of the transforming work that God has already done in our lives. See, every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you're reminded of the transforming work that Jesus has done in your life. And if you're reminded of that all the time you look in the mirror, then what's that going to mean for you? You know, I've heard an American pastor talk one time about um, their high school basketball. They take their basketball, high school basketball, very, very seriously. If you've seen High School Musical, you know that's very true. And he said they they do these chants. Well, from the high school he was associated with, they did these chants during during the game. And he remembered one chant in particular that they, the, the uh, crowd used to recite to their players. Whenever they got the ball, the chant would go up, you got the ball, so what are you going to do with it? You got the ball, so what are you going to do with it? That was a chant that went up and re- resounded around the stadium. You got the ball, so what are you going to do with it? See, it was an encouragement to their players about if you've got the ball, do something positive with it. See, the reality is you've got the ball. The Jesus ball has come to you. Jesus has done something in your life. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You see, your used to be is for a purpose. It's for God's purpose. Your used to be story is meant not to be buried in the ground, not be hidden away that nobody else knows about. If everyone in your world knows your used-to-be story, find someone new and tell them about your used-to-be story. Find someone new to show them the difference that Jesus has made in your life. You got the ball, so what are you going to do with it? See, if we can talk just about our church for a moment, the way that God's vision for our church gets realised more and more is by each of us, including me, actually recognising who we used to be and who we are now because of Jesus. And just like the man who was born blind and just like it was for the Apostle Paul and just like it was for the men who brought the paralysed person to Jesus. We've got to do something with what's happened to us. You got the ball, so what are you going to do with it? See, above everything else, we are to glorify God by living out his purposes and your transformation is for a purpose. Glorifying God, praising him is not merely restricted to a couple of songs on a Sunday. Was it restricted to a couple of songs on Sunday for Paul? For the man who brought the paralyzed man? For the man healed who was born blind. See, the image that we have chosen for this series is so important because it recognises saying regardless of the condition of our car, which I mean this being our car, let's look forward. 
Let's look forward to the purpose that God has transformed you for. Recognizing who we used to be. Because we understand where we're going because of where we've come from. We always keep in picture what we used to be like. Because that forms part of our story, part of the purpose of why we are moving forward. And so from these stories today, we see three things. First of which, have you allowed yourself to be transformed by Jesus? The man born blind allowed himself to be healed by Jesus. Have you allowed yourself to be transformed by Jesus today? Jesus wants to do a a transformational work in your life. Has your heart, has your life been open enough for Jesus to do something radical in you? But only that we see from the Apostle Paul. In your life, what is there to see? And what are people to hear about as a result of what God has done in your life? And lastly, who are you to bring to Jesus? Because of the transforming work that God has done in your life and because of your love for someone in your world who so desperately needs Jesus. Have you been transformed? What is there to see and hear? Who are you to bring? This is the nature of our vision. Because ultimately, engagement is to lead to transformation. Why do we engage? Because we want to see transformation occur. We want to see transformation occur because we ourselves have been transformed. When you look in the mirror, how do you see that you are different compared to the way you used to be? You join me in prayer. Lord God, I want to give you thanks and praise that this morning that we consider, can, can consider the work that you want to do in our lives and that you have done in our lives and for the purpose for which you have done it. Lord, we thank you for the way that each of us are different as a result of your work in our lives. But we recognise, Lord God, it's not merely for our benefit. It is for your purposes that you have changed us. You have changed each of us in different ways because according to your purpose for our lives, for you to accomplish your purposes into this world. Lord, I want to thank you for the transformation that has occurred here today and in the previous years. And I give you thanks in advance for the transformation that is yet still unfolding in our lives. But Lord, I want to pray for people here, particularly this morning, those who are watching online, those in this room here today who who have not yet opened up their heart to you, Lord Jesus, to radically change them into the person that you want them to be, for them to be used as part of your plans for this world. Lord, I pray that our hearts may be open through the presence of your Holy Spirit to be able to come in and change us to who you want us to be. Lord, each of us have a used-to-be story. I pray, Lord God, that we may be bold and courageous enough to be able to understand the purpose of it and to be able to act upon it. Lord, for each of these three people, these three stories today, I'm sure that each of us can identify with something. I pray, Lord God, that we may, in your courage and strength, act upon that accordingly.
Lord God, we know that if there's somebody here right now who needs to open up their heart to Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in, that they may have the courage to get up out of their seats in a few moments and come and acknowledge their need of you. I want to give you thanks and praise now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.